Welcome to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning. My name is Frank Sakari, and you are listening to Life Altering Events. Our sponsor today is the Tag Team, which is a collaboration with the Abraham Group, headed by Jay Abraham, the best marketing and business builder in the world, who has increased the bottom line for over 10,000 clients by more than $21 billion. And my company, Life Altering Events, who are experts in business and organizational development, as well as finance and scaling of organizations. Now, the tag team members have all reached a point in our life where we want to see the next generation of businesses thrive. This is an elite and exclusive organization for entrepreneurs who are looking to make an impact on the world and get the best return for their business. So if you think you can make a difference, go to my website, franksakari.com, for the application details. Now, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever noticed that good ideas and good choices rarely, rarely occur when you're stressed out or in crisis mode? Now, think about that. When you're overwhelmed at work or in your marriage or dealing with your children or elderly parents, are you in the best frame of mind to make good decisions? Of course you're not. You have too many thoughts, or better yet, too many conflicting thoughts racing through your brain. You can't focus. You can't find clarity. You can't rationally weigh the pros and cons. It's like trying to hold back the ocean at high tide. It's not going to happen. You're simply reacting to a situation that you cannot change, you cannot alter, or you cannot win. Your cluttered mind tells you, hey, you've lost, you've failed. As we continue to dwell on the negative aspects of loss and failure, the stress and crisis moves to frustration and depression. Now, at this point, Your life is basically crappy. Now, we have to break this pattern, but how? How are we going to do that? Well, today, we're going to hear from some stories of people who found a way to break that pattern, and they've turned their lives from crappy to happy. We're going to be discussing the book, Crappy to Happy, which is being released today. Now, here's the interesting part, ladies and gentlemen. The book is being released today, and it has already reached number one bestseller on Amazon, and today is the first day it's available. That's incredible. My guests today are Kat Kavanis, who was the primary author, one of the primary authors of Crappy to Happy, and Mike Pettico, who is a contributing author. Let me tell you a little bit about our two guests before we get into this. Now, Kat is is a truly amazing person. In addition to being one of the primary authors, along with Ariel Patricia of Crappy to Happy, and the predecessor book, which was called Chaos to Clarity. She's an international speaker, an author, and is also known as the Queen of Dreams in her syndicated column and as a PR guru, video podcaster, radio show host of Dreaming Healing. That's a lot. She's a three-time breast cancer survivor, three-time breast cancer survivor whose dreams diagnosed her illness, and she's also a multi-award winning author, and dream expert who's been seen on Dr. Oz, Doctors, NBC, and CBS. This is Kat's third appearance on Life Altering Events, and this is the most by any one guest. Let me tell you about Mike. 
Mike served in the United States Air Force before beginning a long and very distinguished career in California state government with the California Youth Authority and the California Department of Corrections. Now, prior to retiring in 2005, Mike's activated Celebrate Recovery, which is a faith-based ministry with his wife, Sharon. Now, we'll get into Mike's story a little bit more as we go on. So, Kat and Mike, welcome to Life Altering Events. Thank you, Frank. We're so delighted to be here. All right, Kat, let me start with you. It's a real honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you both for being here. Kat, let me start with you. This new Mm -hmm. book, Crappy to Happy, is being released today, and it's already a bestseller. How did you and Ariel come up with this name, and how did this come about? (laughs) Well, it was funny. Uh, At the end of, well, I was actually during the middle of our our first book, Chaos to Clarity, uh, we were talking about the fact that we wanted to do a three-book series, and she said, well, you know, Chaos to Clarity is such a great name. How how in the world are we going to come up with with names for books? And I said, well, you know, you just kind of put the names together. You know what I mean? Something that's snappy. You know, like crappy to happy. She goes, that's it. <laughs> that's the second <laughs> book. And I said, no, no. I, I was just using that as an example. She said, no, that's it. That's our that's our second book. And so I turned to my husband. And I said, what do you think of the name crappy to happy for second book? He said, I think it's great. So here we are. Um, you know, almost a year later with Crappy to Happy, which actually hit the Amazon bestsellers list, number one on Amazon, the day Ariel Patricia put it up on Amazon because there had been, I think, so many um, pre-orders. <laughs> it just went straight to the top. That's, and that's incredible. we were not planning on really having that happen until we really worked very, very hard today with radio shows like yours to get it up there. So what we're doing now on your show is keeping it there. That is outstanding. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is, you have to get this book. You really have to get this book. And you'll see so many stories that will just inspire you and make you believe that life's not as bad as it is. You may think it is. Uh, Kat, you, mm-hmm. you've had several contributing authors in both of these books, and, and Mike and I are, mm-hmm. are, are both contributing authors to this book. How have you connected with so many people who are willing to say, share some of these? These are very heartbreaking stories. They are. You know, uh, Frank, every single story in this book is a life-altering event, a life-altering story. Um, and... We, uh, Ariel, Patricia, and I just kind of put the call out there, and it was um, kind of like build it and they will they will come, um, put the call out and they will show up, and that's what happened. Many of the authors, we were very honored to have this happen. Many of the authors from the first book came into the second book. They were the first ones uh, to sign up and and say we want to be in this book. So that was a real, um, you know, pat on the back, feeling great about the first book for Ariel and I, because we never believed we'd have that many authors show up and say, yes, we want to be in the second book too. And then we have new authors like uh, Mike Patoko, who's here with us. And his story was so profound. Um, And he's the brother of Dennis Patoko, who is promoting the book, through Biz Catalyst 360 magazine. And uh, as you know, all, all of the authors in our books um, automatically 
become contributors to that magazine. They they get their own little column once uh, they're in our books because Dennis believes that if you're in our books, if we've accepted you as an author, then you can write. <laughs> so he wants you in, in uh, Biz Catalyst 360 magazine. So when, we, when I read Mike's story, I said, oh, my goodness, this, this is just amazing. And it truly is a life-altering story filled with life-altering events. But what makes the stories so special is they all show us the art of the comeback. It's, it's not that they hit bottom to the point where they're, many of them are questioning whether or not they want to go on living. It's how they got back up to the top. And although the grief and, and the angst and, and, you know, the pain in the stories is profound, what's really enlightening is how they found their way back to a place of grace. And that's what this book is all about. Now, ladies and gentlemen... The, this book, Kat and I were on, uh, on a, what we interviewed with Teresa Velarde, and this is not just all heartbreak and heartache. Um, these are, are real-life stories. Now, Teresa, in, in her case, went through the, the housing crisis and went through all the problems with refinancing and all those crazy things that went on. And she spoke about finding so many people just gave up during that housing crisis. They lost their home. They lost everything. And Teresa's story was... I'm not giving up. I'm not going to let this go. I'm going to continue to battle. And her courage and the art of the comeback, as Kat mentioned, are just so inspiring. And this book is just full of those things, just full of them. Mike, let me go to you yes, for a second absolutely. here. What is your connection to Kat Nario, and uh, why did you become a contributing author? Well, as, as uh, Kat mentioned, my, my connection uh, was through my brother Dennis, uh, he and, and our sister-in-law, Lynn, were both contributing authors for Chaos to Clarity. I read that book. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly loved the concept of it. And, and I'd done a little writing for, for Dennis uh, through uh, 360, uh, Biz Catalyst 360. And when he told me another similar book was in the works, I was immediately interested. When, and, and when he uh, said I might have an opportunity to be a part of it, I just love the concept so much, and how uh, can you not love that title and not want to be a part of cra- a book entitled Crappy to Happy? <laughs> so, so I just, uh, I immediately jumped at the opportunity. And uh, for me, uh, as I mentioned, I've done a little bit uh, of writing. I don't write for a living. I don't have a website or a podcast. So my motivation wasn't so much to get exposure for those kind of reasons, but I welcome the opportunity to write uh, my little portion of the book entitled Change of Heart. I wanted, I wanted to tell my story, and I will tell my story to as many who will read it or listen to it. Uh, for me, God has done some pretty amazing things in my life and in my marriage, and from my perspective, it would be really selfish of me to keep those kind of things to myself. Uh, I, I really Absolutely. think our our stories need to be told, and they're meant to be told. That's absolutely right. And we're going to get and, Mike. And we'll they, get into more depth on the story here in, in just a little bit. But it's it, it's is intriguing, ladies and gentlemen. 
Kat, I love how you segmented this book into four sections. There was love and relationships and health and well-being and grief and loss and life journey and identity. Did you decide these up front or did you get the stories in first? Um, we we uh, continued this from book one uh, because it, it, it worked so well. The stories just naturally fell in there. Uh, so for book two, Crappy to Happy, we did the same thing. We segmented it into uh, four parts. And then in the very back, our fifth part is If I Knew Then, What I Know Now, which I think is a really profound section because it's a bit of looking back at the storm after it's passed and saying, whew, you know, now that I've come through the storm, if there's one thing that I could have done differently, this is what it would be. And I think that's an important ingredient in the book for anyone reading it to see um, it's part of that art of the comeback. And by the way, that phrase art of the comeback was coined by um, uh, the, the um, author of the foreword of our book, which was James Redfield, who wrote The Celestine Prophecy. And, uh, you know, he said that this, what, what was amazing about the book, and much like Dr. Bernie Siegel said in the first book, is that it's ordinary people telling extraordinary stories that everybody can understand. And Bernie Siegel's story is in the book, too. He wrote about his beloved wife, Bobby, and how when she passed, she came, came back to him in his dreams and also used signs and symbols and synchronicities during his waking hour to let him know she was still there and she still loved him. That was an amazing story. And uh, Dr. Siegel is uh, such a great guest on any show he's ever on. He is, he's just full of stories and so much wisdom that it, it, you, you have to, ladies and gentlemen, you have to get the book. We're going to repeat that multiple times. This is one you must have. Now, Kat, you often speak and you write about the power of gratitude and the psychology of joy. And I've heard you say, joy is bigger than happiness. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, coming from, from the area of psychology, which is what I have my degree in, psychopathology, actually, um, you know, you have, um, you have joy and you have happiness. And joy is something that you carry within you. It's organic. Okay? It's, it's, it's something, if you'll notice, you'll have ten babies that are born, and you'll have three or four babies that naturally have joy in them. They're just, they're just joyful babies. They're born with that inner joy, and you can build on that inner joy. Some people have more inner joy than others, but it's organic. Happiness is something that you embrace from an outside stimuli, something it's functional. That's what they call it in, in psychology. It's functional. Somebody does something or you see something and it makes you happy and you laugh. But joy is something that you always carry around within you. It's that flame within you. And sometimes the flame is higher than other times, but it seldom goes out. And so we fan that flame with joy. We keep it there. And we take it into the storms with us. And it's one of the things that helps us come through the storm. And in, in the book, I talk about my friend Petronelle, who was the ultimate, what I call them is, is, is joyful people. It doesn't matter what happens. They find 
the joy in it there. They managed to laugh in the face of despair. They used that laughter to chase off the boogeyman. So um, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer like the third time, I was sure I was going to die. <laughs> I was like, yeah, nobody survives this three times, let alone two times. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't think so. And what gave me happiness was going and seeing the joy that Petronelle carried in her when she got the diagnosis from her doctor that she was going blind. And she's an author. So she has to be able to see in order to type. And that was a devastating blow. And she laughed at me, laughed with me the whole time she was telling me how the doctor said, oh, yes, you're going to go blind. You're going to need to uh, find a different um, place to live where you can be taken care of. And um, she laughed and laughed and she wiggled her fingers at me and said, but I can still learn Braille. And I remember thinking, she has lost her mind. But I was laughing with her, and I suddenly realized her joy within would not allow anything to defeat her, no matter what. And eventually, you know, Frank, she did die of old age, but she still had her sight. She never went blind. And it was at that point that I learned that we have to laugh until it heals. We have to laugh and chase away the boogeyman because laughter releases endorphins in our body, which is our natural happy pills, and it keeps us joyful. That's an outstanding story. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're up against a break. We've got two more segments with Kat and Mike. Do not go away. The story gets better and better. what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. 
Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to LifeAlteringEventsRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Life-Altering Events. My guests today are Kat Cavanis and Mike Pettico. And we had one tremendous segment, mainly with Kat, and we're going to continue with this with their new book, Crappy to Happy, which is being released today, and it is already number one bestseller in Amazon. This is how good this book is. All right, Kat, given the Mm -hmm. current state of the country and the world, there seems to be more fear than joy, and you just talked a great deal about joy and happiness, yet you always find joy and the ability to laugh. You had three bouts of cancer, and you've been such an inspiration to other, all these other people about keeping mm-hmm. joy in their life. Where did this come from? Where did you find this? Well, this joy, I think I was always, you know, pretty much a joyful child. Um, you know, I could I could dance anywhere. I could hear the music in my mind and just dance. Even I remember when, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Frankfurt, Germany, uh, and I had to declare my American citizenship. My parents were military, and I remember going to declare my citizenship, and my mom was very anxious, and she said, now, you've got to really, really want to be an American citizen. When, when the judge asks you to pledge allegiance and, and, and sing God Bless America, you have to do it with all your heart. Do you understand? And being the joyful person I am, I wasn't anxious. She was. And I said, yes. <laughs> so when the judge asked me in this courtroom full of people to sing um, God Bless America, I decided to show him how joyful I was and tap dance to it. I got a standing <laughs> ovation. <laughs> I was four years old. That's uh-huh. joy. You just carry it with you. Whereas happiness, you know, seeing that made my mother happy. <laughs> it was that outside stimuli that made her happy. And I did get my, my citizenship. So, yeah. And, and during COVID, I think it's really important. For instance, in the book, we've got nurse Diane Vick. And before she has to call parents, and I, I couldn't believe it when she told me the story on the phone. I thought I was just going to break out in tears. She would have to call parents to tell them whether or not their child had tested positive for COVID. And when the child did test positive for COVID, um, she would do a dance to connect with her kundalini in front of a mirror to bring out that joy within. Um, and and uh, then when she knew she had a grip on that joy inside of her, then she would call the parents and share that joy, use that joy as a um, light to get her through the crappy because nothing can be crappier than calling a parent and saying, yes, you know, your child's tests have come back and they're positive to COVID. So Mm -hmm. you guys have to protect yourselves and your child has to be taken from you and quarantined in the hospital. You're not going to be able to see them. 
that that is absolutely heartbreaking story. And and I've talked to Diane, and and she radiates that. One of the things you wrote, Kat, was joy gives us the power to endure life's hardship without becoming hardened. It seems that that's a, that's the way you live your life. Is that right? That's true. It's it's so easy to to become angry and to become hard and to shake a fist at God and say, why did you let this COVID come down? Or you can embrace your joy and look for the silver lining in that storm cloud. And that's how you don't become hardened. And that's what I always do. There's always a reason for everything. And I think it's never more apparent than in Section 5 of this book, if I knew then what I know now. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, you've been sitting there for a little bit. I hope you're enjoying this. Let me shift over Every to you. Every bit of it. Wonderful, wonderful. Cat's amazing. Uh, Mike, your chapter in this book, Crappy to Happy, is called Change of Heart, which you mentioned in the, in the beginning. And it addresses a number of very, very difficult marital issues. Now, most men won't talk about this, let alone write a chapter in a book. So why did you feel the need to do that? Well, yeah, I'm no different than, than most guys in that regard. Uh, we, us men in particular, as you well know, we, we hesitate to open up to be vulnerable. Um, you know, I like to fix things. Men like to fix things. Don't like asking for help or asking for directions, and especially if we're the ones that are broken. And and that was my case. I was broken, and and uh, I really didn't have any answers. I used to hide behind small talk or humor or maybe satire. Uh, rather than really opening up and sharing my feelings. And I struggled for a long time with just being unwilling or, or unable to express feelings, to go beneath the surface. So uh, my desire today is to tell as many people as I can about how God intervened in that, changed my life, and, and I my purpose is to give him credit. And the only way I can do that is by telling, being willing to open up and tell my story. So he's... He's opened up more and more opportunities, and, and Crappy to Happy is one of the major ones, opportunities to do just that. Uh, he's done, uh, just to give him credit for what he's done, how uh, he changed my life, how my wife, Sharon, was a major force in bringing about those changes in, in my life. So getting to add my, my small contribution to uh, Crappy to Happy was a remarkable opportunity to reach a much larger audience than I normally would. So I was very motivated to be a, a part of the project. Um, I know through experience that God does what he says he will do. He, he's a man of his word, so to speak. There's a, a Bible verse. I'm not going to you know, share a whole lot of scripture here today, but there's one verse that really stands out in my life. And it says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit Within you, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that's exactly what he did for me. I'm, you know, I'm a work in progress, of course, but God took a very cold-hearted person and transformed me into uh, much more of a caring, compassionate individual and someone who's now comfortable with receiving and expressing love and emotions in, in general. In fact, he may have gone too far. Now, I'm the one who gets choked up when my wife and I are watching an emotional scene in a movie. I'm the guy sitting there 
with tears pouring down my face. So I don't know, maybe it went a little bit too far. <laughs> but, but I'd much rather be on that end of the scale than where I was. So, so the decision to write a uh, change of heart was an easy one. The decision to write was an easy one. Doing it, the actual doing of it, uh, not so much. Um, whether I'm sharing my story in writing or uh, speaking one-on-one or to a group, uh, reliving that time in my life and remembering the kind of person I was and the kind of stuff, especially the kind of stuff I put my wife and my son through, that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. But there is, uh, there is such, there is such power in telling our stories. And, uh, as I've often told folks in, especially in the celebrate recovery, uh, ministry I was a part of, if, if you don't tell your story, who will, uh, there's such power in that it gives people hope. Uh, and, and hope is an interesting thing. I, I'm sure many people have heard this said, but it, it said we can live maybe three or four minutes without oxygen, you know, three days or so without water, and maybe 10 days without food, but we can only live two seconds without hope. And, and I really believe that. Uh, it lets people know that change is possible. You don't have to stay where you're at. And especially if they're struggling with similar issues, to what we have or to what I was in this case. You don't have to stay on that same road where it seems like there's no off-ramp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've all, we've all been to, to meetings, we've been to training sessions or classroom uh, sessions or, or church gatherings where we're kind of, kind of, you know, sitting there, we're kind of zoning out. But as soon as a speaker starts to share something personal, a personal story, all of a sudden we perk up, we're listening. All of a sudden, we're interested, and that's the, just part of the power of telling a story and, and something that's life-altering like all these stories are. Um, change of heart for me, outside of becoming a believer, becoming a Christian, change of heart is the story of really the next best thing that happened in my life. Um, and and it's, uh, it was a challenge, but it was a, a, a joy. Uh, you know, Kat talked about joy, and it's a real joy uh, to be able to write that. I found it one of the most effective ways for me to communicate my Christian faith and the message of just how much God loves each of us is by uh, living my life before others in a way that I want them to think, I don't know what that guy has, but I want some of that. Exactly. Uh, so hopefully I'm exactly. living in that kind of a, yeah, I want to live in that kind of a way. Now, Mike, you were... And, and I really believe... In, I'm sorry, go ahead. You were in uh, the California Youth Authority and the Department of Corrections, and I did a lot of work in government in my high-tech life, and those two places are not the happiest places in the world. Now, what was your role there, and did working in those environments have an impact on your life at that time? Yeah, there, there's absolutely no way working in that kind of environment cannot. Uh, it impacts everybody that walks through those gates and uh, behind those gates and you hear the door close. But, yeah, usually when you hear somebody say, uh, I'm going to the happiest place on earth, they're usually not talking about a prison. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and I never... <laughs> I never planned on working in a prison. Uh, I don't know anyone that really did uh, in my uh, 33 years in the system. But I, I had a—I actually had a very good experience in the system. Uh, as far as my roles, I, I held a number of different positions over the course of uh, my career. 
the, the latter part of my career, the assignments I held required uh, someone who could work independently, and I love that. Uh, in the Youth Authority, I began as a, a group supervisor, which is really the equivalent of a correctional officer, uh, promoted to youth counselor and then senior youth counselor, then came over to the Department of Corrections, adult corrections as a correctional counselor, and then I promoted up the counseling series, uh, became, had uh, appeals coordinator, uh, supervisor, litigation coordinator, and uh, several years prior to retiring, I had the opportunity to work uh, a few different assignments. Uh, I was very fortunate to be selected as program coordinator for the uh, Division of Addiction and Recovery Services uh, for the drug treatment program at the prison in Tehachapi, California. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that assignment because I saw life changes taking place in front of me. Some hardened uh, criminals, career criminals who were actually turning their life around. And I saw such power in that. And it was a, it was a secular program, you know, a curriculum approved by the state, of course. Uh, but it was just a wonderful opportunity to uh, spend the last few years of my career uh, in the system. So working that kind of a position, though, much of the stress comes as a result of working the frontline kind of positions. As a correctional officer, you're dealing with large number of inmates day in and day out. You're working shift work, forced overtime, responding to emergency-type situations, breaking up fights and group disturbances, that sort of thing. And I did spend the first 12 years of my career doing just those types of things. Um, but fortunately, I had opportunities to promote, and uh, although I was removed from the immediate frontline process, I really continued to enjoy uh, the interaction with the inmates and, and uh, just really develop a good rapport with them and, and a mutual respect, and I found that that was returned. But even then, though, there, there's no way that you don't walk into a prison. It's not like your typical job, and that stress is always there. You have to be vigilant and kind of have your, have your head on a swivel to a certain extent uh, mm -hmm. even when you promote to the higher position. So you do, it does impact home life and there's no, no way of getting around the fact that the stress does have an impact. What was the turning point in your marriage, Mike? You were going, you're in this, this very harsh environment. Uh, as you said, not the happiest place on earth. Had an impact on your marriage. What, turn, what was the turning point? Uh, for me, the turning point was when I finally stopped praying that God would change Sharon, that I stopped praying that he would change my, my wife into a person that would make me happy. And I finally mm -hmm. and completely surrendered myself to God and asked him to change me. That was the turning point for me. Uh, one thing I've found that we all find as we, as we grow older, that growing older is automatic. Uh, maturing is not. It's optional. You know, it's very uh, true. Maturity is a choice. Yeah, yeah maturity is a, really a series of choices. And, and the same is true, I've found, in the life of uh, a Christian believer who say, uh, if I'm serious about becoming a follower of Christ, I can be a Christian for a long time, and still be in a spiritual playpen. And I was. I, I was. Even after becoming a, 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 a Christian, you know, God changed me over the course of time 
Uh, and the passing of time all by itself does not necessarily equal growth. Uh, uh, so, so I made the choice to turn it over to him to more fully surrender. And all this baggage that I brought into my marriage, I brought that same baggage and maybe even more into my uh, Christian life. And over the course of time, uh, God got through to me, and I finally realized I was the one who needed to change and beyond that, I needed God's help to do it. It was going to take more than uh, willpower. And uh, so my desire to change had to overcome my fear of changing. And I had to get over myself, you might say, and, and just be willing to change and do it his way. Uh, in, in working with drug treatment, we talk a lot about people and their drug of choice. Well, I never had a problem with drugs or alcohol. My drug of choice was anger. It was mm -hmm. pride. It was control. Those kind of things. I, I desperately wanted to change. I wanted to be the husband and the father that I knew I needed to be, but I could not do it on my own. Uh, so I, I really finally opened myself up to, to the Lord, and that was the changing point. For me, it became a daily prayer of mine. Uh, search me, God, know my heart, try me and know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. That's another scripture I would pray every day, and God really answers those kind of prayers. Absolutely. it's uh, You had a statement in your book, and then we have to break here, that uh, you looked in the mirror and you said, who is this man? Because this is not who I want to be. Now, we're going to continue with that when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take another break. We've got two segments. Don't go away. This third segment is going to be the most enlightening yet. Stay with us. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. 
live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Just did two segments with Kat Cavanis and Mike Pettico. And they are, Cat uh, is the co-author of the book, Crappy to Happy, and Mike is a contributing author to the book, Crappy to Happy. Now, that book has been released to the world today, today, yet it is already number one bestseller on Amazon. So, don't miss this. Get on Amazon. Order this book now. You will not regret it. The story, this book will inspire you beyond anything you've read in probably the last 15 years. Make sure you get this book. All right, let's get back here. Mike, Before, just before the break, you were talking about the change that you incurred in your life. And when in the big point that I love what you said was, I stopped praying and asking God to change my wife and to change me. I started working on me. Now, you leveraged that along with your wife and you started Celebrate Recovery, which is a faith-based ministry. And you did this while you were at Tehachapi Prison, as a, as a uh, working at Tehachapi Prison. Uh, what, where did this inspiration come from, and how did you expand this into other facilities? Well, I was I was less than a year from retirement at that time, and uh, yeah, I was working at Tehachapi Prison in the drug treatment program, uh, and I was really devoting a considerable amount of thought and prayer to how I would spend my time after retirement, how, how I wanted to make good use of that time. I mean, I, I enjoy time off as much as anyone, but I, I think we're all built for something more than, you know, rocking in a chair on a porch. That, that's good for a few days, but after that, uh, we're built for more than that. Um, so at that time in the drug treatment program, uh, it was a very good program, always impressed with that program, the, the life changes I was taking place. Uh, I worked with private contractors who would implement the treatment aspect of the program. And uh, I, w- I happened to be on a conference call one day, and someone mentioned a faith-based recovery program that one of my colleagues was involved in. Uh, his name was Hector. Uh, I'd never heard of this program before called Celebrate Recovery. So I contacted Hector, and he told me about uh, Celebrate Recovery and, and said it dealt with drugs and alcohol, but also a lot of other issues that it dealt with uh, besides substance abuse, uh, dealt with pride, gambling, control, overeating, anger, sexual addiction, uh, sexual abuse, unforgiveness, all those kind of things. I was immediately interested, although I never heard about it before. He invited me to attend uh, what, what was an annual Celebrate Recovery Summit. Uh, and it happened to be only a few months away at that time. Uh, it was conducted at Saddleback Church, which is uh, where Celebrate Recovery had originated. That's in Lake Forest, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the home church for uh, Pastor Rick Warren, uh, Purpose Driven Life. You may have heard of his book uh, mm-hmm. some years ago. Anyway, there was a three-day summit uh, going on, so I attended that. There was a variety of speakers and topics and I came away from that three days 
knowing, and this is going to sound like the Blues Brothers, I was on a mission from God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was so fired up and ready to go. And and basically, uh, you know, you hear people talking about, you know, God spoke to me. Well, it wasn't like he was in the backseat of my car, but I was so excited on the way home from that summit. I just knew I was going to have the opportunity. It was like God was telling me, I'm, I'm going to plant this ministry, Celebrate Recovery, Attach Me Prison. I'm giving you the opportunity to be the person that I'm going to use to do that. And I was excited. Uh, and and uh, working for government, you know, things are oftentimes don't go smoothly and take a long time to implement, especially a new program mm-hmm. at a prison that had never had this type of program before. Uh, I would need a, a location to conduct these meetings with the inmates, uh, the day, the time slot that didn't conflict with other programming, and on and on and on. And, of course, it was going to require the approval of everyone from the uh, lieutenant on the yard to the captain, the associate warden, chief deputy warden, right up through the warden. Well, I got back to the prison. I completed the formal request outlining the program as best I could and all the particulars, tried to address any of the concerns I anticipated, and I routed it through the chain of command. And if I ever saw God's hand at work, it was it was then. It, it just went through that entire chain of command and back down to me, approved, 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 approved. Um, the location was the easy part. As the, as the program coordinator for the drug treatment program, I had control over the uh, uh, granting the use of the modular unit we utilize for after-hours activities. So I approved myself to use that, which was wonderful, mm-hmm. and uh, met with the prison chaplain. Uh, he provided me a list of inmate, inmate names, who he, guys that he knew to be serious about their faith and had leadership potential. So my wife and I, Sharon, came out with me on a Saturday morning. We met with uh, 10 men. We explained what we knew about Celebrate Recovery, asked him to just consider it, pray about it, and we'd get back and approach them later and see what their decision was. Well, each of them stepped up that very day uh, within minutes saying they were excited. They wanted to be a part of the original leadership team for Celebrate Recovery on that prison yard. So uh, Celebrate Recovery at Tatchby Prison was birthed. Uh, that was 2005, and it, it's still functioning there today. In fact, it's expanded to other yards. So in a somewhat similar way, I, I reached out to chaplains at several other prisons, and one of the prisons was uh, Sentinella Prison in Imperial, uh, California, in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, chaplain got back in touch with me, so... Well, you know your wife loves you when she's willing to walk onto a maximum security prison yard with you, and, and Sharon did. Uh, so she and I spent spent the day going to all four prison yards at that prison, from minimum security to maximum security, uh, meeting with groups of prospective inmate leaders designated by the chaplain, and we trained all of them in the basics of Celebrate Recovery provided them with materials and support and everything they needed to conduct the program. A similar thing happened at Wasco State Prison and for the community correctional facilities in and around uh, Bakersfield, where I live. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aside from that, we had the opportunity to begin Celebrate Recovery Ministry at our home church here in in Bakersfield. So it was pretty exciting and just kind of stepping back 
being obedient to what I felt was the leading uh, of God and, and just watching him work really open up hearts. And uh, these invitations came in and, and we just spread the, the seeds of Celebrate Recovery. That's an incredible story. Um, at the break, ladies and gentlemen, I told Kat and Mike I had been, I was director of government operations for AT&T and dealt with state government in California and 24 other states. Getting a program like that approved, number one, and then expanded, number two, is virtually impossible. And the fact that Mike was able to pull that off is, is an amazing credit to him and to his wife, who just would not give up and kept pushing this. Let me get back to Kat for a second. Kat, you cannot have a conversation with mm-hmm. Kat Cavanis and not talk about dreams and the impact that they have on our lives. Now, Kat, you wrote a chapter in Crappy to Happy about dreams of grief and love. And I think you put in there, love takes us back, but dreams take us forward. You had some amazing stories in there. Please share those. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, you know, um, Mike was talking about, you know, praying and and, and um you know, the, it basically was talking about the power of surrender. And surrendering is not giving up. It's, it's letting go and letting God. And so often we go to our house of worship or, or you know, we, we um, find our quiet place and, and we pray. And we ask for things of God. And yet we don't always hear the answer or see mm-hmm. the answer. I believe our prayers are all answered. However, it's through our dreams that we can access those sacred dream doors to the divine and get our messages, get the answers to our prayers. So I had, um, you know, something that many people are going through right now who lost loved ones to COVID, didn't get to say goodbye to them, didn't get to see them when they passed over. It's very traumatic because it's part mm-hmm. of our culture to have that last goodbye. In my case, my in my story, I talk about how one of my best friends came down with a very rare leukemia. And while she was in Boston, I was out in California, and I couldn't really even visit her in the hospital because they were going to do a bone marrow transplant on her and had her quarantined. And unfortunately, she died. It, it didn't work. And I didn't get to say goodbye. Now, my faith in God is very, very strong, but even he knows that I'm human. And humans have a tendency to throw temper tantrums. Hey, it's what we do. And right. so I remember I, I was just really upset this one day. I had been trying to take it all in, and I was going through uh, Kubler-Ross's, you know, um, steps of grief, and I guess I hit anger. <laughs> and I was really angry, and I said, God, you know, I need to see her. I know, I know she's supposed to be with you, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. You understand me. I understand you. I really need to see her. I want to see my friend. Period. And so that night, believe it or not, I was in my dream. I, I, I realized I was, suddenly this dream stands out to me. And that's what makes a visitation dream so real. It's so real that you remember every single detail. And you don't remember the other dreams that you may have had during the night. You could have up to five. But in this dream, I realized I had shifted into another dream. I was standing on cobblestone streets in in a big city. It was sunny. And I suddenly thought to myself, am I in Boston? And my friend walked up to me and said, hey, 
let's go get a drink. And we walked into a really well-known restaurant in Boston called Legal Seafood. And uh, we walked up to the bar, which we were both martini queens. And uh, we sat down and we started people watching. We ordered our martinis. And when my martini came, it had the extra olives in it that I always order because my husband eats those. And her martini came with no liquid in it at all, just shredded vegetables. And I looked at her and I said, where's your martini? And she said, oh, you know, I gave up drinking alcohol, but I wanted to see you too. And then the dream just ended. And so when I saw her husband a couple days later, I told him the dream and he said, you know, she gave up alcohol completely when she was getting ready to go through her bone marrow treatment. And she said she didn't know if she was ever really going to drink again. So that's the validation in our dreams that tell us that the dream was more than just a dream. Maybe it was a glimpse. Maybe God answered our prayers. That's an amazing story. I've heard you tell that before, and it and it just sends chills through me every time I hear it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're just about out of time. Uh, this this show has gone way too fast. Um, Mike, what one last thing do you want to leave with the, with the listeners? Well, I'd I'd like to, uh, I'm just so grateful for my wife Sharon, who stuck by my side in spite of who I was at the time. Uh, she walked this path with me, so I'm so grateful for her. Uh, and, and just have that support system. I really encourage them. You have people around you who love you, and some of you may not even be aware of, but there's people around you. You do not have to walk this path alone. And there Perfect. is a, a, a God who loves you, and, and just know that. Know that you're not alone. Cat, same thing. Mm-hmm. What last word do you want to leave with the people? Well, if you are in the center of a storm right now and you think that you're the only one, because that's what it feels like, you feel like you are the only one going through this horrific time, pick up this book because it's going to help you, even if you're having gender and sexual identity crises or crises of faith. Maybe you feel like your faith has turned its back on you or you're going through a divorce or addiction or health challenges, love loss. It will help you gain a deeper insight into the meaning of not only life's challenges and why we have them, but that no storm lasts forever. And every author in this book will hold your hand while you're reading it. That's absolutely the case. Ladies and gentlemen, go buy Crappy to Happy. Order it today. And as I said, we're just about out of time. I want to thank Kat and Mike for sharing these, these just amazing life-altering event stories. Order your copy of Crappy and Happy. I want to thank my sponsors, the tag team, the collaboration between Jay Abraham and my company, Life Altering Events, to help the next generation of businesses thrive. Now, ladies and gentlemen, remember this. No matter what life throws at you, do three things. Look up, get up, and never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward, and better times and better people will come into your life. If you want more information about my guests or about Crappy to Happy or how to get it, you can contact me. I'll make sure it gets to Mike and Kat. If you missed any of this show, you can hear it on demand at any number of places now, including iHeartRadio, Google, Alexa, etc., and my website. Now, let me leave you with this, as I do every week, ladies and gentlemen. None of us are in this alone, and the secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. 
And today, Mike and Kat showed us where many of those rocks are. Join us again next week when we discuss another life-altering event. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cut.